Hello, welcome back to the latest episode of the Video Production Academy podcast. Now, as always, I have this wonderful journey, albeit via the internet, to scoot all over the place and all the way around the world. And we always have that interesting thing called time zones, which is definitely an interesting one today because as we're recording this, for me, it's morning, but for Tracy, it's evening, which, yeah, completely blows my mind. But I'm delighted to have Tracy Cook from Australia zooming all the way over to me here in Scotland today and obviously to speak to you guys as well. So, Tracy, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to have you. Oh, thank you very much for the invite, Lee. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this for quite a few weeks now, and I'm very honoured to be part of this. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. The privilege is completely ours. Firstly, what I would love for you to do is to introduce yourself and let the audience know more about what it is that you do. Well, my name's Tracy Cook. I'm in Perth, Western Australia, on the other side of the globe, which is wonderful how we can connect globally. And I help creators launch, brand and market their podcasts for passion, purpose and profit. I love that passion, purpose and profit. That just sort of sums everything up that you could possibly want in three words. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Because if you're not passionate about what you're doing and you know what your purpose is to fulfill that goal or dream, and we want to make some money, we can actually monetize our microphone, as you well know, Lee. Absolutely. And I think sometimes in business, that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks of people is actually the making money element. Like there's something wrong with doing that. Like we shouldn't be doing that. Well, there's definitely a money mindset or a money block or those self-limiting beliefs that we're not worthy of that or imposter syndrome. It's, I don't think I'm expert enough to receive money for that or to ask for money or to close the sale. And you can definitely do that because everyone's got value and merit. And if we're running a business at the end of the day, just getting over those money mindset blocks can really, I call them success blockers, can really get you to next level and monetize your mic with power. I love that. Um, now, I'm not going to make a guess on what age you are compared to what age I am, but I would say that we're probably somewhere similar. And I know that certainly video work and podcasting especially podcasting, was not even considered when we were going through the education system. I did the very first year of media studies that was ever offered, I was on. So it's been quite a journey for you to get from where you started out to where you are now. And I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, definitely. I always love sharing this story because I am mid-century. We have four adult children, a teenager and nine grandchildren. So I've been around for a while and you're dead right, Lee. When I was growing up, things like the profession of I want to be a professional YouTuber or I want to be a podcaster, those things weren't even heard of. And I really love how you can embrace your passion at any age. So you're never too old to dream another dream. And it's really interesting because I hear a lot of people my age and above, and you probably relate to this as well, and they're like, oh, I'm too old for that. And I say, you are never too old to learn a new skill. And they go, oh, I'm too old to learn technology. You're never too old just to press play and take action. Yes, I couldn't agree with that more. So how is it that you found yourself into podcasting and into using video? 
This is a really interesting story. In 2019, I was in a reality show for entrepreneurs in the US and it is a long plane ride home, 36 hours, a couple of plane trips. And it's a long time to think because on this reality show, everyone was sharing their stories and we had cameras up in our face. And I thought, no, not me. I'm not going to share my story and get that ugly cry on there. And it was a long time to think on that plane coming home and at the time, I was radio announcing in Perth, Western Australia, and it was just when the, the 2020 was kind of coming in, and I thought, there's all these people that want to share their stories, and I need to give them a platform. Now, back to the question that you asked is, at that time, podcasting was still new to me. So what made me come forward is... I already like to talk to people. I can catch an Uber ride and know the Uber's life story in a 15-minute Uber ride. And I thought it is about time that I actually show my face with my voice because sometimes when you're a radio announcer, people know you by your voice. You meet them face-to-face and they have a completely different concept of what you should look like. So it was time then to show my face and really press play and take action and take that next step into media. I think that's brilliant. And were you nervous about appearing on camera? Because obviously, if you've been working in radio, then you're used to speaking, you're used to the media, you're used to the fact that you're speaking to people. But there's an anonymity, like you say, of it just being a voice. So what was it like to then say, actually, I'm going to show my face as well? Well, in the radio studio, you've just got your mic, you've got your fellow colleagues, and you're kind of in your own little bubble. And that's a great question because when I actually took the step, I was nervous. I was really nervous. And I had all these post-its around my screen and I had all these little prompts and I practiced in front of the mirror quite a few times and I stumbled over my words And I found it really out of my depth. And I thought, and the imposter syndrome sunk in. Like a lot of people, it's quite normal. Oh, well, people actually want to hear what I have to say. Will people actually relate to what I'm going to say? Will they get value? Is it educational? Is it inspirational? How often do I do it? And it was really scary and nerve wracking. Although I was used to speaking into a microphone, Speaking into a camera was a whole new ball game, but I felt the fear and I'd done it anyway. And I missed all of the post-it notes that were around my screen. And I was looking outside the camera. I was actually looking at myself instead of into the camera. And it was the worst, <laughs> the worst video that I've ever done. And I look back now and I just think you just take that imperfect action. You just fail forward and you just keep going until you increase your skills until you hone your skills and you get better at it and that is the only way to do it and each time it is scary each time I break out into a red rash and cold sweats and you know it takes me five or six takes to make a video still sometimes even now after being a professional podcaster for many years I still get nervous and I think the moment you stop being nervous then, you, you know, you need a new level, you need a new devil to reach that next step. I seem to find that if you are not nervous about it, 
sometimes you lose your focus. If you get a bit too blasé, that actually you end up with a bad video because you're not focused enough because you think, oh, I've got that. And I, the other thing that I see quite often is people don't put the preparation in that they need. They think that they can just sit down and speak. And like you, I don't have all the post-it notes on today, but I have been there and I will do that where I've got maybe 15, 20 post-it notes around my monitor so I know what I need to hit. Because otherwise, I either dry up or wander off on a completely different tangent. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, there's only a very, very small amount of natural speakers, maybe ones that have really honed that skill. And it's taken them 10 years to be an overnight success to be a natural speaker on video and camera, right? But we don't see the work that goes in behind that. Maybe people are going to Toastmasters, they're going to networking sessions, they're working with a speaking and presentation coach and things like that as well. And that's all good if that's your brand and that's where you want to be. But sometimes I find that just winging it and being vulnerable and, and doing the ums and stumbling over your words, it makes you more relatable. And people that relate to your realness and your uniqueness and when you're sharing vulnerabilities and you're showing up as yourself on camera, I think there's a special uniqueness around that as well. And although we all love watching that professional speaker and we're really drawn into their room, I really love watching people that have just pressed play for the first time and they're stumbling over their words, but the value they're giving, you excuse the ums and the butts and the dog barking in the background or whatever, because what they're delivering has got so much value and educational inspiration that you ignore all of those other little incidentals sometimes as well. It's okay to be an imperfect speaker at those times also, I reckon. I love that. And you're so right with what you say. And I always say that we have a responsibility if we have a message to be able to put that message out there. And this is what the podcast is all about, is to show regular people like us that have taken imperfect action to be able to start to get our message out to the world. Definitely. And I think if you come back to the passion portion as well, if you are so passionate about what you were doing, you will find a way to overcome that. It may be professional development, it may be self-development, it may be practicing in front of a mirror quite a few times, it might be listening to something on the tape or the CD while you're driving the car, it may be standing up in front of your family or your friends or your, your work colleagues and just repeating a paragraph out of a book or something like that just to really hone your speaking skills. And I actually did see a video a couple of weeks ago. I was really taken by it because there was a man that was so scared of speaking in public and he'd been chosen by his work to do a presentation. And he used to go to the train station where it's busy and noisy and stand there almost like a busker and actually speak his presentation topic to anybody who would stop and listen, but there weren't people stopping and listening. They were just rushing past. They're on their way to catching their trains. And he stood there just at the top of his voice. His tones went up and down. His posture changed. And he actually filmed himself over two weeks of doing this every single day. And when you looked back at the time-lapse video, it was just amazing at the progress that he made just by doing that for 15 minutes every morning before he caught his train to work. That is so brave. As an introvert, that's just nope on so many levels. 
and and he was he was a total introvert and I just loved watching his journey and when they pieced together the time-lapse video just showing him standing there shaking with his head down at the train station and then on the last day he's he didn't care he just so enveloped his own uniqueness and his own passion and his own style you can see his style evolving as well and I think many people that are now kind of a little bit seasoned on their podcasts and their videos you look back at all those early ones and you can actually see how seasoned you actually have became or what patterns come up quite regularly as well and even with head movements, with eye contact, with the way you're postured, the way your eyes sparkle, if something exciting happens, the way your tonality goes. I love hearing and seeing people's journeys all the way through. And although it's really hard to watch your own videos because you're always your own worst critic, right? I think it's important for us to go back and see, okay, what did I do right? What could I improve? And what will I add on my next video? And they're the three things that I actually watch on every single video that I do with those three things. I think that's a great idea. Definitely something worth doing. And it is worth watching yourself back on video because I think after a while you kind of desensitize to it because I edit Mm -hmm. all my own work. It means that I have to see myself and it does start off very cringy. I think anybody that isn't cringy is at the beginning is probably lying because it does, it's horrible to start off with. But as you see yourself more, you accept how you speak and accept how you look. And actually, I think that is a very healthy journey to have as well. Definitely. And it's self-acceptance and it's self-love. Because you kind of go, gee, I'm really good at this. And then you play to your strength. And then it's kind of, this needs a little bit of work or tweaking. So you can actually do your development. If you're pausing or blinking for too long, or you're looking off in the distance while you're talking, they're the kind of things that really attract your attention. You think, wow, I need to work on that. How can I improve that? So on the next video or the next podcast, I can just tweak a couple of things to get even better and to be able to develop because we want to develop. We don't want to stay stuck in the same genre. We don't want to get stuck in the same tonality. We don't want to get stuck in the same posture. And we don't want to become, and you said it before, Lee, we don't want to become too blasé where we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, here's another podcast. Here's another video. Here's another interview. And I'll just say the same things in the same tone. And I said it a thousand times. So if somebody is following you, your audience, your tribe is following you, and then you're posting on media, I've been on this interview and that interview, and it's all the same, you're going to lose your audience. Because they're like, oh, I heard that before, I heard that before. You want to be able to add those little improvement elements or surprise elements so it brings the audience in like, oh, I didn't know that. So they are more inclined to watch more of what you're actually doing as well. Yeah, definitely. So you started out with doing the podcasts and the videos. What platforms were you using then compared to what platforms you're using now? Oh, wow. I thought I'd Googled everything, Lee. I thought, yeah, I kind of know what I'm doing and I didn't and that's okay. 
I started out uploading my podcast to Anchor and then that goes on to Spotify and then Apple Podcasts. I didn't know about transcripts as such. I didn't know about podcast show notes. I didn't know that you could actually sell and be your own sponsor on a podcast. But the platforms that I was using was just Anchor and Spotify and Apple. And then once I actually got a little bit more seasoned, done a little bit more research, talked to a lot more of the people in the podcasting community, those that have paved the way before me, because they're the ones that I want to learn from, they were like, oh, and do you do audiograms with sound waves and upload them on your social media? And I'm like, the what, the what? You need to give me some more information about that. And then they were saying you can upload it to YouTube and then you can do a long form video. You can take the audio from that, put that on your podcast, and then you can actually do an audiogram from that with a sonic wave, and you can post that to all of your media and repurposing. And it's such a great question that you asked, Lee, because podcasts just, as you know, aren't just for podcast platforms. Uh, They're combined with social media as well. And that's the beauty in repurposing your content, You can do one podcast and you can have up to 13 repurposed videos, sound bites, blogs, SEO enriched, TikTok. You can shorten them. You can have them on your stories, on your reels, across your TikTok, your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Pinterest. And with the right keywords and with the right tags, you can speak directly to your ideal audience. So platforms are really, really important. I still upload to Anchor. I love Spotify and I love Apple. The reason why I love Spotify is because you can now add a video podcast on there as well. And you can do the polls and things like that. Apple is fantastic. That's what it's best known for is their Apple podcasts. But across all of the social media platforms, if you're just posting your podcast to the podcast platforms, then you're kind of missing the other half, um, I believe, with not adding social media marketing to that as well, because they're a couple. They're a couple. The podcast hosts and the social media platforms, they have to work in sync together. So I'm across all of the platforms. And by repurposing one podcast episode in 20 minutes, I can repurpose all of the content across 13 media um, platforms. That's impressive. It takes me way longer than 20 minutes. I have a similar process to you. I've changed it slightly from audiograms because they have what they're calling social video that's coming through at the moment, which is like an audiogram, but you actually have the video clip of the soundbite included as well, which I think is quite interesting. So I've been playing around seeing what works and what doesn't. And sometimes it's tiny tweaks. So on TikTok, if I've got the podcast logo on rather than just the Video Production Academy logo on, it doesn't score as well. So if it's got the Mm -hmm. VPA logo on, it does better than the podcast logo. And so it's important when you're testing it, you've got to test it and you've got to analyse what works and what doesn't. But don't try and change everything in one go. Just try and change one thing at a time. So for us, using a ring waveform rather than a line waveform makes a difference. Wow, I didn't know that. That is so interesting. And it's all about testing and measuring, isn't it? 
I mean, you can, some people are like, oh, the sound wave with the purple and blue going through it, the iridescent one, that's the best one. Maybe they're using different hashtags. Maybe they've got a different audience, you know, but I will have to try the ring one because I have tried that on a couple, but it's all about checking your analytics and seeing where you're sitting and what is performing well. And I've been so surprised about things that I'm kind of like, I'm not quite sure how well this is going to go. And then it explodes. I'm like, okay, you kind of really have to analyze everything. It's like, why is that doing okay? Why did that grab attention? Who's actually downloading it? What kind of people are they? And then doing more of that, rinse and repeat, right? Doing more of that. And, you know, I love uh, Headliner. I love uh, Descript. I've been getting into a little bit of the app Descript because of the transcription on there as well. And some of their audio graphics have, I'm just starting to learn a lot more about Descript now, but a lot of the audiograms that you can actually do are just out of this world. And, and I'm not an editor at all. Not like you, Lee, like I'm not an editor. I'm a very basic level editor. So I do have an editor that edits my podcast for me, but that's just a choice that I made to outsource that because I want to really practice basic editing, but for anything kind of needs that extra special attention, I like to outsource and get somebody professional to do it, depending on where you want your brand and your market to go as well. Some people don't have the resources or the money to outsource some virtual assisting or editing, but it is an investment. It's not a cost. And I have seen such an improvement in my audience, my downloads, my subscribers, when I outsourced a lot of the celebrity interviews that I'd done, like Les Brown and, and Dr. Joe Vitale and things like that, because I wanted to add clips of them up on stage and make it more professional and presentable to meet that audience. And that was out of my skill level of basic editing. So I highly recommend anybody that if you want to really have those graphics and those crisp, clear sounds on your podcast or your videos to outsource any kind of editing because it does make a difference. It really does. I find it quite interesting because my background was as an editor first, as an audio editor and as a video editor. And I talk to people and the one thing that everybody seems to say is I don't like editing. And it's just really interesting. It's like, oh, but I do. <laughs> But it's really interesting that you say about Descript because that is my main editing tool. And I've been using that probably for three or four months now. And I'm still learning the different things that it's capable of doing. And I love the fact that it generates the transcript and then you edit the transcript and that's what edits the timeline. But you can still work in the timeline if that's what you want to do. But it means that it has the simplicity to be a completely entry level piece of editing software but actually has the complexity that if you take the time to learn it, that you can go into the sequences and things and do things at a completely different level. So I was running two different pieces of software because I was running Filmora as well. I'm less doing that now, and I'm really just using Descript and Canva. So I have one mm. on one screen, I have Canva on the other screen, and I can create a graphic in Canva and download it as a transparent background and then just wing it into the script and it's there and it's so quick 
And it is so mm. good to be able to do the repurposing because of the different elements where you can actually take a sound bite, you can take a clip, and then you can create a new file. And that's not standard in most editing software. And it absolutely should be. So there's some of the functionality in there just makes our job so much easier. Definitely. And this is what I've been learning with Descriptor because it's about the same as what you've been using it for, for about three or four months. And I find editing a little bit um, too advanced for me. I think I don't have the patience to go back and time. We're all time poor or we've all got different experiences about what we want to spend our time on. And I love learning it. And But just the capabilities that Descript has got is just absolutely amazing. And they do have their own training videos as well. And they're short and they're concise. And then you can actually see. So if you're a visual learner, click here, go here, do this. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect way to learn. But it's great if you're kind of entry level as well to have that training support. And I've had to use their Descript support line a few times as well. Really quick responses and really easy and simple to understand. Because I think as soon as somebody hears editing, they think high tech, high cost, lots of hours, which sometimes it can be. But I think people screams. But when you actually find an app like Descript that is just so simple at an entry level, you can just start off at the basic, work your way up. I just think it's amazing the amount of things that apps can do in that space at the moment. I think one of the really important takeaways from this is you don't need to have a big budget, you don't need to have fancy equipment, and you don't need to be technically minded. It's about finding the right things that work for you. So quite often, I film on my iPhone. I find that my iPhone's ability is not that much different from the studio cameras. So we use Sony A6400s in the studio and they're lovely cameras and they give a clarity and a crispness that you don't quite get with the phone. But you know, the phone is a really close second. And so I can go out and I can film really quickly. So I've just been in London for a couple of days at an exhibition. And I was literally just flicking across and filming within a second. No setup required. It's just point, go, you're done. And you didn't need to have any technical ability. It's about having that Im imagination to do it. So it's about finding the right solution for you, the right app, the right technique, the right workflow, if you will, to suit what it is that you want to do. Definitely. And so many scheduling tools as well. So after you've kind of edited your podcast, it's all ready to go. Just those, and a lot of people batch create. So they'll sit down for a whole weekend or a whole day and they'll batch create for the next week or fortnight or month. And that's what I do. I free up my time by batch creating. And actually this afternoon was a batch batch creation this afternoon. So I, I made 30 videos and that'll last me for about 40 days and I'll repurpose all of that content. There was a few costume changes. There was a few breaks in between. But once you actually get into that mindset and you're just creating content and you're in that zone, you know, you get a little bit tired afterwards, but at the end, you're like, oh, if you get sick, if life happens, if you have to take on a couple of days off for an emergency, you know that your business is taken care of. And you just have to set aside that time, get in the zone, plan it all out, you know, be strategic about your content. There's nothing worse than getting up in the morning and going, 
what am I going to post today? What am I going to talk about today? What am I going to do when I press live today? If you've already just spent an hour to write it all down, batch create your content, set aside the time, get in the zone, record it all, and then you've got a couple of hours or a couple of days to go and repurpose all that content and it frees up your mind, it frees up your time, and then you're okay for the next month or week. And I find that a lot more people now are batch creating and then going and scheduling their content as well. I use Metrical and you can plan and schedule your content across all of the platforms on Metrical and then it's all done. Everything is all done within a couple of apps and a couple of days for the month. And then you can monetize on that and then use the rest of your time strategically to do your follow-ups and talk with potential clients and book more people on your podcast and making sure that whoever's watching it on your social media platforms that you're connecting with to be able to monetize your microphone and have those conversations, see if it's a fit, if you can work together and then those conversations turn to conversions into your product or your service or your opportunity. And sometimes it's not a product or service opportunity. Sometimes it's a networking or a collaboration or a few times what I had to offer wasn't a fit for a few people. But those people reached out and said, hey, can you come and do a Facebook Live training in my group? And I'm like, yeah, I can. And they, they'll come and do one in my group. So sometimes your product or your service or your opportunity isn't necessarily a fit, but it doesn't stop there. If you've really built that rapport and you're showing up authentically and genuinely and you've freed up that time from batch creation and scheduling, you can have more conversations. And I think that's a thing that some people are really moving towards now because the apps are just making it so much easier. This whole podcast has been full of gold nuggets for people to take away. So I feel really mean saying, could you give us some tips for people starting out on the video journey? Because really, just listen to the rest of the podcast and you'll be there. But I'm still going to ask the question. <laughs> so beginning, starting out, I always say, always, always say, know who you are talking to. Because without that, you don't know your audience pain points. You don't know what problems you're solving. So you can't create content if you don't know who exactly you are talking to to be able to solve their problems. And when you're solving their problems, you're adding value to them. That could be inspiration. It could be educational. It could be an ebook. It could be a checklist. It could be a PDF. It could be joining your Facebook group for additional training, whatever it may be. Know exactly who you are talking to. Number two I'll give you my top five tips, actually. And I say this quite often because it's a proven strategy. It's a blueprint to success. So number two, after you know who you're speaking to, create content to speak to that audience. And don't jump on and go, hey, guys, or hey, Facebook, or I'll just wait for more people to pop on. No, you speak to one person. You speak to that one person and you solve their problem. You look straight into the camera and you talk directly to them. How are you? This is the top three tips for 
and you'd be able to solve their problems. Now, another great website is called Answer the Public. You can go on there, you can type in um, wellness, health and wellness, and it'll come up with what people are actually searching for and you can create content around that. It could be health and wellness on Answer the Public website and it'll come up with uh, lose mum belly or lose belly fat or sleep better. You can create content around that and then you're talking to your ideal audience. And the third tip is be consistent. Don't just post 10 videos and then three months later, you're going to post another 10 videos. Be consistent. Diary block or set a timer, whatever works for you. Everyone's got their own lives, but I'm a firm believer, Lee, in diary blocking or setting a timer. I've actually got one of those timers, those egg timers you turn upside down. And you set aside 15 minutes to create your content. You advise your family, you lock your door, you have your private space, you go sit in your car, whatever it takes, be consistent. Even if you don't feel like it, that is the time where you actually need to go and do it. Because if you treat your business like a hobby, you're going to get paid like a hobby. If you treat it like a business, you're going to get paid like a business. Now, the fourth tip after you're consistent is follow up. If people have engaged on your Facebook Live or your TikTok or your podcast and they've left comments, go and comment back. What did you find best? You could follow up with, if you want more, please subscribe. And don't forget, I'm going to give you my free ebook on the beginner's guide to monetizing your microphone with podcasts because I heard you're wanting to start a podcast. But don't just drop the links and be spammy pammy really genuinely authentically talk human don't use scripts I don't like scripts at all because people are always saying to me oh but what script do you use no I don't I just talk human you know I just even though it's a microphone even though it's a computer screen we're still people so we have to treat people like people show a genuine interest solve their problems and you can do that using discovery questions. So what made you do blank? How did you feel? What have you already tried? And then maybe that'll lead to it. You're not going to try and nail them and get a sale out of them at all. You're actually seeing if what how you can help them. Is what you've got, your product, your service, or your opportunity, something that can help them? And you ask the discovery questions around that. And the last and final tip is nurture. You want people on your email list because that is the asset that you own. That's where you can keep people updated with your latest podcast or free tips or free resources. This is where they can really get to know you and, and write it like you're writing into a diary. Write your emails like you're writing a diary because not only on video and podcast are you talking to that one person, talking to you, your email should be talking to them as well. So how you talk on your podcast or your video, talk like that in your email because I, I see this disjointedness all the time. As it's like, oh, jump onto my email list for blah, blah, and I do. And it's like they're speaking a different language or like they've got all these email scripts 
And I actually treat my email list like a blog, like I'm talking to that person. It's like, hey, how are you going? Oh my God, I've had such a crap week. I hope your week's better than mine. This is what's happened. Anyway, I've got these top five tips on the best microphones. I thought you might find this useful because we were chatting about microphones last week. And here's the link to go and have a look at them if you want to. And you'll actually see that asset you own, your email list. That's where you nurture the relationship. And that's where you change conversations into conversions or networking and collaboration ideas. That's absolutely wonderful. There's so much to take away from that. How can people connect with you? Oh, thanks for asking, Lee. People can connect with me through my website, www.tracyleecook.com. And I love platforms like yours, Lee, that connect people with people and get people to share ideas and share what they're doing. And you've had some amazing guests on and anybody can contact me anytime and I'll be happy to answer any questions at all. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with us today. Really appreciate it. Oh, Lee, thank you very much. Like I said, I was excited about talking with you because I know all the amazing things that you're doing out in the podcasting and video and editing communities. So thank you very much for bringing value to that space as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Video Production Academy podcast or watching it if you're viewing us on YouTube. I'm Lee Midlane and I've been your host for this episode. If you'd like more information, resources or free downloads, head over to the Video Production Academy at www.videoproductionacademy.co.uk. Reach out if you have any questions, queries or comments and subscribe to hear more inspiring conversations with business owners just like you who've built their business using video. Until next week, shoot for the moon. Thank you.